this episode, I'm going to be reading chapter 15. Put your mind to rest. Take a deep breath through your nose. Hold it. Relax every, everything in your body while exhaling slowly. Another deep breath through the nose. Hold it. Release over every bone in your body. Feel yourself sinking into the bed and listen to the story as it unfolds. August 27, later that night, Fort Greenhouse, Washington. The first thing Sarah felt she should do was get to know the lay of the house. You could tell a lot about the people from their house, she had learned. Look at Mars, two-story structure, stark, weather-beaten, with a front porch up by rickety posts, as if it might collapse at any moment, and windows that stared at you like eyes, without hope, Look at Aunt Annie's cottage in Flint, with the store downstairs and the porch. Fat posts painted on the door in bright yellow and the upstairs rooms cheerful and filled with books and flowers and colourful chintz curtains and settees. Besides, she might have to make a quick exit out of Rose's house sometime. And she'd been instructed to go to the windows in the front parlour and raise and lower the shade three times if she was in trouble. Outside the Sturgis rifles would know what to do. She studied the kitchen first, though there were no signs that it had been recently used. No food in the larder, no leftovers in the box that should have been filled with ice. There were huge platters and linen tablecloths stored in cupboards, and the stove was one such as she'd never seen before. Cast iron, it was a monstrosity with full fireboxes on top. In the section below, a mildly warm fire was burning. You'll never be able to figure it out. No one of us had. Sarah turned to see Lieutenant Sheldon standing in the doorway to the hall. But don't worry, you won't have to cook on it. The food is sent in each day. I just want to make her some tea 
Zara said. He showed her how to set the water on the right part of the range, how to put wood in the firebox to build up the blaze without burning her fingers. You look at home in the kitchen, she said, not like my brother Ben. He laughed. When I was younger, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with Auntie Moon. We called her that because she had a round moon face. She gave me goodies and listened to my woos. Where is home? Sarah asked. It was always good to know everything about anyone, Kate Warren had told her. Sarah had learned a lot from Kate. She hadn't even known the meaning of the word colleagues before. It sounded important. Hagerstown, Maryland. So, his family could go either way, north or south. Was Auntie Moon a slave? She asked delicately. Or a paid servant? I know Maryland is pretty well split down the middle, but my family is loyal to the Union. If that's what you're asking, how about yours? Missouri has more troubles than Maryland. The same. But at home we still do the old type, hearth cooking. There was an awkward silence in which Sarah perceived somehow that he was lying to her about everything, the same as she was to him. This business of being a spy was a contrary affair, she determined. She was accustomed to honesty in her dealings with people. Now, she had to watch every word she said, lest she be tricked. And the funny part about it was that they were both likely on the same side. Look, Sheldon said, I'm going to the confections. Would you like some cake? I've been allotted a certain amount of money every day to run errands for her. Don't you feel put upon? Sarah asked. After all, you're a member of McLennan's personal bodyguard, running errands for a spy. She's only doing what she thinks best for her country. She's a precious nice lady when you get to know her. Sarah felt her hackles rise. Oh, have you gotten to know her then? Somewhat. I know she seems onerous at first and contrary, but she's still a mourning for Gertrude. We must give her some latitude. How would you like it if your mother was a prisoner? But she is, Sarah thought, in her own way. No, she could not conjure up sympathy for Rose Greenhow. If only 
because she'd had the benefit of all life's fripperies when her own mama, as lucky as she was, lucky to have a calico dress. In one year, and never saw people except once a week at church. She caused the deaths of thousands at Bull Run. She reminded him. She'd done no more than our spies have done and are doing. Sarah knew she shouldn't take sides, that, as Sarah Dawson, she should have southern leanings, if any. And he could be testing her to see who she really was. She had the feeling that Sheldon was not as innocent as he contrived to appear. I'll try to understand her, she said, and I would like a cake, yes. Oh, I should tell you, he said, as he turned to go. Lily Macal is coming this evening. She is a fast friend of Rosie's. Her husband is assistant adjunct general of the Confederate forces. She will be allowed to come and go as she pleases. Sarah blinked in surprise. Why? In hopes that she will lead us to others or drop information. She's harmless. He grinned, and something inside Sarah rose, then fell. He did have beautiful white teeth, and there was something of the little mischief in his grin. He was handsome, and he knew it. She found herself blushing, as if the grin were an audacious move on his part, as if he knew its magic and used it like his rifle to disarm someone. Yes, he went on, the authorities are allowing certain people into freely associate with Rose to be watched and learned from, although he looked around with exaggerated interest. I can't say who around here is supposed to be learning her secrets, can you? In that moment, Sarah knew that Lieutenant Sheldon, cock of the rock, Pop and Jane residence, knew she was that person. No, I can't, she said. And of course, you know, about Lizzie Fitzgerald, little Rosie's nurse. This is her afternoon off. She'll be back soon also. Nurse, she found herself saying dumbly. Was the child sick then? Yes. You don't think that girl stays in those starched petticoats and shiny curls because of her mother's efforts, do you? All proper Salvan children have nurses. Sarah thought of herself at eight in homespun muslin. 
already chopping Pa's hogs, picking beans and weeding corn. Sorry, I wasn't thinking, she said. She must think, however. She must stop being the country bumpkin she was. She should think about the elegance and advantages in Rose's life. Don't worry about answering the door, he said as he went out. The Sturgis rifles are responding for letting everyone in and out. That's not your job. And Rose is allowed other visitors. Important people come and go. They're all being watched, don't worry. Some prisoner, Sarah thought. But she only nodded and could not help admiring him. The little half bow he gave, the way he turned on his heel in military fashion, the confident set of his shoulders. I have lived in a half world all my life, she told herself. I am wanting. There is much for me to learn and I must set myself to the task. After Shelton went out the front door, she walked quietly through the house. It was stripped of most of its furnishings, yes, but no one could take the charm away from the tall windows from which silken draperies hung. The chandeliers in the dining room and the parlour there were really two parlours divided by crimson portiers that looked to be the most expensive silk. In one parlour were walls of books with dark covers and gold writing. Sarah had never seen so many books and there was an intricate iron gate in front of the fireplace and a rosewood pianoforte. On the wall were portraits in gold frames, George Washington and Benjamin Franklin, of course, but who were the others? It riled her that she did not know. She must not be ignorant. Rose would expect her to know. That's President Butchanin, a small voice piped in, back of Sarah. Mama was very close to him. She wore diamonds in her hair on his inauguration day when he fell ill while staying at the National Hotel just before he was sworn in. They said that it was because infected rats fell into the hotel's water tanks. Mama never believed it. She thinks he was poisoned. For a moment, Sarah was too startled to say anything. For a long time afterward, Butchanan had to drink tumblers of whiskey every day to rid himself of the poison. Only my mama knew that. 
Have you ever seen Robert Lincoln? No, I haven't. They say he is most handsome. How do you suppose an ape like Lincoln gets to have a handsome son? Well, his wife is quite nice looking. Mama says she is too short. Her complexion is terrible and she is pretentious. We can't help what God made us, Sarah said. I suppose not. Rose twirled around a bit, showing the flounces under her dress. Did you know? I have a brother-in-law who is a quartermaster in the Union Army. And a cousin in the first Rhode Island Volunteers. And another cousin who was married to Stephen Douglas, who died just last June. No, I didn't. Sarah started to fix the pillows on the only settee in the parlour. There's lots you don't know, the child said. You'd better learn. My mama doesn't countenance ignorance. And you needn't look for my mama's diary either. Startled, Sarah straightened herself up and went rigid. I wasn't. What diary? Everybody who comes here looks for it. The little girl giggled. They ask me, as if I'll tell. Do you know what I want most in the world right now? Sarah was afraid to ask, so she just shook her head. No. I want to go to a party. I had a lot of friends here in Washington, and I went to parties all the time before Mama got herself arrested. I still get invitations, but Mama says no. That other children will ask me questions about her and embarrass me and make me feel bad. But they are my friends and I long to see them. If I give you a riddle as to where the diary is, would you ask Mama to let me go to my friend Adelaide's party next week? Sarah could not believe her good fortune. She would not allow herself to believe it. If only she could find the diary. She'd manage something no other operative had been able to do. Of course, I'll ask her, she said. But why would I want your mama's diary? <laughs> because everybody does. And anyway, it's a game. But you'll never figure out the riddle. So, tell it to me then. No, not now. When I'm ready, the water is boiling for tea. Sadly, all good things must come to an end. So, 
I bid you good night, sleep tight, and don't let the bed bugs bite.